oftentimes our partners can really shape the narrative around what we think about their families. And we have to be careful not to apply their ideas because our experiences will be different. Welcome to Love These Days by Pop Sugar, a brand new podcast sponsored by Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry that tackles all the ways that the last year has changed relationships, because it's safe to say a lot has changed. I'm Jen Ashkowitz. And I'm her fiance and co-host, David Stanley. This week, we're tackling what can be a delicate marriage subject, the in-laws, because you're not just marrying your spouse, as they say, you're marrying their family. This should be very interesting. I feel like I should pop some popcorn. It could get very couples therapy up in here, and I'm into it. Let's get started. Nedra Glover-Tawab is a licensed therapist who has practiced relationship therapy for 12 years through her practice, Kaleidoscope Counseling. Her philosophy is that most relationship issues stem from a lack of boundaries and assertiveness. You know, I never would have pinpointed it as that, but it makes total sense thinking about it. We've learned something already. I can totally see how that would play into in-law relationships, too. Absolutely. This episode of Love These Days by Pop Sugar is sponsored by Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry. Pots and pans, cooking and cabernet, Sundays and sleeping in. Make your home undeniably yours with a Crate and Barrel Registry. Nedra, welcome. We are so excited to talk to you. (laughs) Welcome, Nedra. Thank you for having me. So since it's right in your bio and I feel like it's probably the mantra that you work by, I wanted to start with the idea of a lack of boundaries and assertiveness being the root cause of relationship problems. So can you talk about that a little bit for our listeners and then also explain to us how how does that apply when it comes to in-law relationships? Oh, my favorite relationships within a marriage. So I get so many questions from my community on Instagram about mother-in-laws. And (laughs) typically the biggest challenge is our inability to be assertive with our partners sometimes about what we need from them in terms of support and advocacy or our inability to be assertive with extended family members about how we operate in our relationships within our home. And so it creates a lot of issues where people are upset sometimes for years because they are feeling powerless over the issues with their in-laws. And often it is an issue of perhaps an in-law being overbearing or having authorities in areas where they should not doing Mm -hmm. things parenting-wise for grandchildren that sometimes the parents don't appreciate. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to very clearly execute your boundaries with Mm in-laws. And really the best time to do that is very early on. If possible, talking to your partner about, before any issues arise, how those relationships would go. When you have a willing partner, it's best that each of you manage your own families, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Jenna, Mm -hmm. you manage your family, David, you manage your family. But in some instances, people don't feel powerful enough to, you know, maybe say to their moms, like, you know, hey, mom, I don't want to come home for Christmas. And so the partner is put in that situation of Mm -hmm. having to say it or having to seem like the bad guy. And there are certain ways that 
you need to maintain the relationship, but also stand up for yourself and your family in that relationship. And so boundaries is a really good way to advocate for your relationship, but also to advocate for your peace with your in-laws. You know, keeping the peace. That's all, <laughs> keeping the peace. all that it's about. Keeping yeah, the I do feel like uh, David and I are very lucky in the sense that we have good relationships with each family member and actually great relationships with the in-laws. And like, I think that was also a testament to our work with therapists. We're very open about, you know, that we both have different therapists and we do that weekly for ourselves and for so that we can bring our best selves forward for each other. And also creating those boundaries for yourself, right? So you create boundaries in your own life and then you create boundaries with your family and with in-laws and, you know, extended family as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would I would add to that too that in thinking about how we approached both meeting our families initially, which was a lot of fun, and also like our ongoing relationships with them, we talk about how we engage with our families together, right? So we approach it as a team And, you know, even when things come up that we've got to problem solve around or talk through, we do that. And we do that first with the two of us so that we can approach my family or Jenna's family in the most effective way. So, it sort of feels like that that kind of team approach. I'm curious, Nedra, when you mentioned couples doing this early on and starting to set those boundaries, how do you recommend that that couples approach even some of those initial conversations Mm -hmm. about how to engage with each other's families and how to create those boundaries if they haven't done that before? So if we're having intimate conversations, hopefully some things that we love about our family and some things that we dislike about our families will come up. And in those moments of having those conversations, It's really good to consider some ways to preempt some problems that you may have. So if you say that, you know, my mom, she won't take no for an answer, Um, maybe talking to your partner about some ways to gently start to say, you know, no on something, some practice Mm -hmm. before it becomes a really big thing because- People like to think like, when I get married, I'll start setting boundaries because then I'll have a partner. But (laughs) as you become an adult, you can start to set those boundaries. So when you have a partner, it's not super hard to set those boundaries because then it looks like it's your partner doing it. (laughs) Right. Right, right. And it's, it's really you. And sometimes we want to change things and we don't because we're waiting for this other person to come and support us. And it's okay when you have an issue with things in your family to start to shift those things. But if you are waiting for the support of a partner, it's important to talk about those areas that can be potentially problematic and to think of some ways to start to address them before it comes up. Starting early is really helpful. So you don't want to wait until December 10th to maybe tell your family you won't be home for Christmas um, when you knew January 11th. Right. So so if you know now you can start prepping them now and just saying, you know, this year for Christmas, we are going to Mexico or this year for Christmas, we are doing something at home. So whenever you decide to make those shifts in your relationship, go ahead and inform your family so they're not caught off guard at the last minute. Mm. Along those lines, I'm curious. So for for somebody like Jenna meeting my family, or for somebody like me meeting her family, or for couples in similar situations, 
how do you set yourself up for a really successful relationship between your partner and your family? What are some tips or pieces of advice that you might offer to people as they're meeting their in-laws and engaging with them for the first time? Mm, Confidence. Sometimes, you know, depending on your family, they may be looking for one, is this relationship serious? Mm. Um, If you don't seem to be confident about the relationship, your family members may not, Mm. you know, take the relationship too seriously. They may be hard on a person. So it is up to you to be the face of this is really serious to me. And these are the things that we can and cannot talk about. And this is how we're going to conduct ourselves with this person. So you are helping them to shape the relationship with your partner. Mm. And I think so often we leave it up to our family like, oh, my mom doesn't like her. My mom doesn't like him. (laughs) And it's like, how do you shape that? Because Mm -hmm. how does your parent feel so comfortable saying, I don't like your wife? (laughs) You know, like like there, there had to be some steps in between that where, something was said or done that gave them permission to do that. And if that's not the case, you can still say to them, you know, hey, it's not okay for you to talk about this thing in this way. And I really need you to pay attention to this relationship because it's really important to me. So I think in those early meetings, it's really important to create a space of just getting to know each other. Nothing serious, you know, no political conversations and all of those things, but very light. What is your favorite color? Where did you grow up? No critiquing of food and, you know, where a person lives and just go in really open-minded. Maybe even despite some of the things you've heard, if those things have been problematic. Um, Or even if your partner is just like, oh my gosh, my sister talks really loud. So when you see her, she's going to be loud. Try not to really dig into that. Like, oh my gosh, she is loud. And just allow her to flow. Maybe your tolerance of a certain octave is different. So just being mindful of some of those prejudgments that you go into it with and Mm -hmm. really try to keep them at bay and build a relationship. Nothing too serious at first. Yeah. I remember that feeling really both organic, but also like supportive and joyful when uh, that happened for the two of us. I think both of us communicated to our families that this was a really special relationship that we were really excited about. Mm -hmm. And I think in meeting each other's parents too, there were these moments where things would be echoed back to one of us or the other of us. Jenna, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you want to share one of the things my mom said when you first met her about this, but it, it really like, you know, these things that happen that actually make you feel really welcome and increase that fun and that joy. Yeah, we we were actually going to meet my parents in August of 2018. And David said, well, I'd love for you to meet my mom before we go meet, you know, I go to New York to meet your family since she's here in California. So let's try and set up dinner before we leave. And I was like, great. We kind of knew that was where our relationship was heading anyway. And when I met her, we sat down. She was very excited. And she had said, you know, David doesn't bring a lot of women around to meet me. And I thought that was very indicative and special of how I was getting to know David and and felt like, is this too good to be true? Does he do this with every girl? You know, like that kind of thing. You're like, this is too good to be true, right? This is not that serious. But it was. But yeah, we we definitely, that was really special for me. I forgot about that. And for me, I think one of the things Jenna set me up in understanding really early was that she came from a really loving, 
warm Italian American family that was just really focused on like food and family and together time, especially around Christmas and the holidays. And so the first time that we went out to meet her family, we actually stayed with her brother uh, and sister-in-law and their daughter and playing with her little niece and having all that time to like really build that connectivity by staying with them was just a really great way to to, to make that introduction. When I met David's mom and dad, actually, like I, I got to start to see those things that you were mentioning before, Nedra, like the the hand to the chin, you know, like they're like, oh, that's where he gets that from. And so the more I've spent time with them, the more I see the environment that he grew up in. So my question for you is like those who are newly dating, you know, meeting their families soon, what are some clues that they should be looking for to like see what kind of spouse or partner that they might be? And is that, does that ring true? In some cases it does, but I would say not all. It sounds like you all had a very special coming together where you all set it up for it to be a very positive experience. And I think that's how you want to do it. Like this is a special person to me. And so that kind of cues your family like this is different and we should act accordingly. Our energy should match his energy and her energy in this situation. And, you know, in most loving situations, they will address it as you're addressing it. So I think it is very important to very early on set it up for success and Mm -hmm. not just like, surprise, mom, I'm dating someone, (laughs) um, but to really talk about it in this positive way. So that's what they walk into. And sometimes, you know, when we get upset, we'll kind of dig at our partner and that sort of thing. But be careful of that Mm -hmm. before your family has had the opportunity to meet this person and to really build their own relationship. With that, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Planning a wedding in a pandemic is a lot, but there's still one part of wedding planning that should be fun. Not the engagement photos again. (laughs) No, the registry. Crate and Barrel is the place to find timeless pieces you'll love forever. You mean I can finally get that barbecue smoker? We'll talk about that. Whether you're movie buffs, wine lovers, or budding home chefs, Crate and Barrel can help you create a wedding registry that's undeniably yours. Plus, they offer one-on-one expertise and sample registries created by real couples that make it so easy to get inspired. The smoker is easy. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Okay, then how about the beer glasses? (laughs) Okay, fine. Let's add it to the registry. I have another question, Andrea, related to both newly together couples, but also couples who ultimately decide to get married. Merging families can be really tricky, right? Partners may grow up in different parts of the country. They may come from very different cultures, different religions, different political beliefs. What advice do you have for how to bond with new family that may feel very different from your own? Mm. Well, politically, I think that, you know, we feel like we have to have these conversations. We have to know where someone's head is on certain topics. And to be honest, sometimes those are just not conversations for Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Yeah. Um, And to keep the peace, sometimes we have to stick to topics that are stimulating and respectful to everyone. Um, So there may be people in your family who, you know, have certain political views and you have to agree to maybe not get into those conversations or even when they come up to step away from them. And I know that's really hard 
when you have strong beliefs about something or you feel like what someone is saying is just outright wrong. However, sometimes we have to agree to disagree to keep the peace. With religion and culture, I think, depending on how you're raised, we're always celebrating someone else's culture. Um, There are so many holidays throughout the year that are cultural celebrations for other cultures that we partake in. Mm. And what a beautiful space to be able to celebrate culture within our new families. Mm. And so we have to think about it as a gift, as a learning experience. And now you have the opportunity to do that in a new family. And so if you're joining a family that loves to cook, you know, maybe you'll learn to cook some of those new dishes. So to not see it as something to be intimidated by because you're not aware of the culture, you're not aware of um, Mm -hmm. the the different traditions, but to join in on those and maybe spend some of your free time learning more. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important to embrace what's already there. And then in some ways you may be able to enhance it. There are lots of new things that, you know, maybe families have not been open to because they didn't know about it. And they're introduced to it because of this new member or because of this new level of openness, because this new member is here. And so it's really important to be supportive Mm -hmm. and to be open to learning. And if there are those issues where it's like, oh, my gosh, we have this, you know, these huge differences it's okay to not talk about those things in a way that's going to disturb the family gathering or, or the family event. Because really choose what battles. we <laughs> choose your battles. You know, we really just want to focus on being together and not divisive topics. Right. And then is it is it okay to go home and talk about it with your partner later? Like, is it okay to like keep the peace and then go or do you keep that to yourself? Oh, yeah. I would say go home and talk to your partner about it. I mean, you know, my husband Mm -hmm. and I have certainly had some moments where it's like, did you hear, you know, (laughs) 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 what was that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we just both kind of sit there and we're like, la, la, la. I love this football player (laughs) shoes. You know, it's like, la, la, la. I will not get into that thing because just because, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Like, do you want to turn the family event into a political debate? Do you want to turn it into a religious discussion? I think those are things that you have to think about. And sometimes, particularly with older family members, Mm -hmm. they're pretty stuck in their opinions. And perhaps you are not the person to change them, at least not over this meal. Um, And the bigger (laughs) thing is just to focus on the gathering. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point, though. There's people are really in their ways and you can't change them, but you can change how you react around them. So and on the flip side, I, I love the the notion, Nedra, that you were talking about, about approaching it with a traveler's mindset. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Where things are new and you're discovering new people and a new place potentially and new traditions and cultures like that sense of mm-hmm. curiosity and discovery, I think, can be such a special part of how you build relationships with your new family. I think that's been very true in terms of our relationship. Yeah. I mean, we practice different religions and our families do. And so I was welcomed into my first Passover and that was really fun. And it was just like, it's so cool to see family gather and for it to be an annual tradition that you get to like 
kind of peer in on it as a, you know, first timer. And then the year after it's like, oh, I'm here and I'm welcome. And this is serious. So I'm going to be here and, you know, being considered family. It's very special. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got into the deep dive and now we're going to do something really fun. <laughs> this is one of our favorite games. It's called Would You Rather. I'm sure you've heard of it. And we're going to give you two options and you got to tell us which one which one you prefer. All right, David, you want to kick it off? Yes. Ready to go, Nedra? Yes. I'm afraid, <laughs> but I'll go. No, Let's this is great. do this. Okay. Would you rather get along with your partner's family or their friends? Mm, it's a tough this one. Is, this is very tough. Um, I don't know how I would even answer this. I don't. It's a good would you rather. See, this is why I'm a head scratcher. Um, This is a question I think about for four hours and then text you back and say, okay, it's this. Um, (laughs) At this stage in life, I would say friends. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We were very much like friend. Our friend village is is in many ways part of our family. family. So we think Mm -hmm. about that a lot too. Okay. Have to confront your own mother about something or your mother-in-law. This is not tough. This is either. Oh, wow. Wow. I want to be you when I grow up. (laughs) Ooh, I love either. Okay. Would you rather marry into a big family who is around all the time or a small family who you only see twice a year? Small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I am 50% introvert and 50% extrovert. Mm. You're speaking my language. <laughs> so <laughs> my language. That all the time piece sounds a little bit over. A little bit extra. Little yeah. Bit so I'm like, ooh, twice a year could be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got one. This is registry related. Let your mother-in-law add items to your registry or let your father-in-law add items to the registry. <laughs> Father-in-law. Why your father-in-law? We like a lot of the same TV shows. Uh, We have good chemistry. And I don't know. I think he would pick very practical things. Like Mm. every time he sends gifts is like super practical, something you could use. And, you know, I'd I'd say father-in-law. Nice. Nice. I love good uh, practical gift. I love that too. So Nedra, a question about the wedding planning process. So for couples who are planning their weddings, like we're in the midst of doing, how can couples balance making family feel involved on the one hand in the wedding planning process, but also not feeling like you're allowing your families to overtake the things that you want? What advice uh, and (laughs) thoughts might you have? Yeah. Talk to each other about the things that are really important. It's really important for you as a couple to have the list of things where it's like, we we must have these things as I envision a wedding. This thing is really important. For me, it was the taste of the food. 
Mm. Um, so I, we would not let anybody pick our food, right? It's like, I don't, I don't <laughs> care who's paying for what. We have to have, you know, right. good tasting food and the cake. You know, I wanted a beautiful cake, but I don't eat cake a lot. And so when I eat it, I want it to be yummy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things that you just couldn't have an opinion on. Totally. And so for other people, it might be, you know, certain things in the ceremony or a certain amount of wedding guests. So pick, I would say, three areas that are areas that you want to really advocate for. And the other things with your family, you know, maybe consider them. Consider some of those things because just like you've been dreaming about your family, they have too. what this day would be like for them and how excited they are. And as you both stated, it sounds like you come from families with really strong traditions. And so you want to incorporate some of those. And so how do you incorporate some of those things as well as some of the things that are really important to you? So a big way to do that is to figure out what are the three things that are really important to you where you just will not budge on. And some of those other things you can say, okay, well, here's how we're willing to compromise. Mm. Does that change or get altered at all if uh, family members on either side are helping to pay for the wedding? Well, it depends on what boundaries you have around the money you accept. Because you can accept money with strings attached and you can accept money with no strings attached. And that's a conversation to have with your family. We really love your support, but Mm -hmm. in supporting us, we still want to be able to decide what our wedding will look like. Totally. (laughs) I'm just (laughs) laughing because I have so many friends that have gone through that and kind of warned me along the way and that it's, it's, no, it's just so real. So. <laughs> I've been to those weddings where I'm like, I know that the parents paid for this. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> this is basically the parents' wedding. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, um, we spoke to Janet Hayes, the CEO of Crate and Barrel. Mm. She had the idea of a veto for the registry for the couples. Could you recommend that for overall wedding planning as well, both between the couple and from the parents? Well, I I think it's your wedding and it's a day that you have to live with. And the saddest story is when I hear couples talk about how they got married and none of it was what they wanted, but Mm. they are still married 15 years later and they're talking Mm. about this wedding. And so I don't I don't know if the in-laws even need a veto. I think it just needs to be how many ever knows. (laughs) You know, it's just No, we won't add that. No, we won't do this. Or, hey, here's how here's how we can compromise. But in the grand scheme of things, um, the wedding is one of the biggest events of your your marriage. But the biggest event is you all being married. And you don't want to walk into that experience already frustrated by extended family around the planning of this event. You want it to be an event about the two of you and your union and not about everybody else who's present. I keep saying that to David. We, you know, we remember in terms of finances, in terms of the stress and the pressure that people put on the actual wedding day. I just am saying it out loud to remind him and myself that like 
All of our fun should not be going into this. All of our stress should not be going into this one day. It's all the days after, right? It's all the days that we we see afterwards and the mundane Mondays. And it's the simple things that are the important ones. Mm-hmm. And I just feel very lucky that we are aligned on that, that it's not about this one day, where, which is going to be amazing anyway, no matter what, because we do keep in mind and remember that it is all the days after. And our in-laws also, or future in-laws also, have been incredibly, incredibly understanding about our, you know, wanting to implement themselves. They they ask questions, they're interested, they want to know, they want our opinions, but none of them have infiltrated in a way where we've had to have those conversations. So we feel very lucky in that sense. And we try to implement it before we offer, do you want to come to the tasting? Do you want to see, you know, FaceTime to see my dress? Like all of those things. So that way they are staying involved without even having to ask, I think. I was just thinking that the communication during the wedding planning really sets the tone for how your in-laws are able to communicate with you all throughout the marriage. And if they have power over the wedding, um, I think they'll be able to, you know, determine a lot of other things, maybe even how, you know, where you live, how you parent your kids, (laughs) what's right, you know, with your careers and that sort of thing. So it's important to remember that you are setting a foundation, not only for your marriage, but also for the relationships outside of your marriage. So this is an important time to advocate for the relationship with each other. You know, it's interesting for the two of us, one of the things that we did, I think, pretty well coming into the wedding planning process was setting certain boundaries for things that really matter to us. So one of the things, for example, that we did is we said we want to have about 100 people at our wedding. And we want that because that's both the right size for the space, but it's also because we want to be able to actually engage with and talk to people and have those conversations, not just be kind of shuttled around with Mm -hmm. too many people that we can't spend quality time with. And one of the inevitable pressures when you're talking about guest list is this family member wants these people and, you know, everybody wants to include more people, but at a certain point, you've got to sort of draw the line and say, this is the size. And so, I think that boundary early on helped us um, and actually helped our families understand the framework for how we figure out the right people to have there, but also to have that as, you know, a set of boundaries um, for making those decisions. Yeah. I I love the parameters around guests because when we think about the people that we have at our wedding, it really should be a group of people who are supportive of the marriage and and ones that know you're engaged, perhaps, you know, maybe pre-pandemic, they've met your fiance. You know, it's really important to have good energy in the room. Yeah. And so sometimes with, with weddings, we just invite people. (laughs) You know, it's like we invite all our coworkers, we invite, you know, all of these people and it really should be, energetic invites, who loves you, who supports this relationship, who who will you smile at when you look up from the altar, you know, those sort of things that yeah. that's really important. And that's not going to be 500 people. It's not. <laughs> right. No. That's right. But a hundred with a hundred, I think you could capture that energy flow that could be very good for that day. Yeah. We totally feel that way. And it's funny because Jenna and I are both such naturally inclusive people and we have so many people that we love and that we care about, but just taking that approach alone would yield, like you said, a 500 person wedding. So I think we Mm -hmm. had to go through the process for ourselves of figuring out what we really wanted and then Mm -hmm. setting that boundary for others to follow. 
I have a question for the actual wedding day. So what's your advice for involving the family? So if your spouse has a sibling, should you definitely make them a part of your wedding party? Is that a requirement? I would wonder why not. Like what would stop you from doing it? What would be the reason that you would adamantly say no to it? If Mm -hmm. it's just like, I don't want them. Okay. What is the reason for not wanting them? Because again, you're merging families in some way. So this is now your sister, clearly to your partner. This is a very important person in their life. Could it be a positive for the relationship between the three of you that you said okay to this? Mm. And not that you have to have, you know, anyone's siblings in your marriage or wedding. I think absolutely you could say no, but I just wonder why would you? Why? Sure. What would be the purpose of the no? Is it just like, it's my wedding and I don't want this additional person or I don't like this person? Because I think it could be a very peacekeeping effort to just say yes to that, particularly if your partner has a really good relationship with their sibling. And it also sounds like it's the kind of thing where if the answer is it doesn't really cost you anything and it actually helps your family, your new family and your partner feel good, then that's like one of the things that you do as part of a great relationship and a great marriage, right? Is, Is do things that really help your partner and your partner's family, right? Feel good and feel included. So I, that makes complete sense to me. So, Nedra, we could keep asking you questions forever, but we want to make sure to save time for a couple of questions from our readers. So, we're going to share a couple with you. Here we go. I've spent every Thanksgiving with my family for my entire life, but now that we're engaged, I know that might not always be the case. How do you recommend divvying up the holidays as a couple so that we can both be with our loved ones? Split holidays. So you have to figure out if you want to continue to do Thanksgiving or if you could rotate that energy to maybe another holiday. Also, an option could be having an early Thanksgiving with your family. Because when you get married, your partner could potentially have that same tradition or want to create something else. So it's very important to be flexible and not hard on we have to do this every single year. And even if it's a every three years, we switch off and do something coming up with something that is a compromise and not sticking to something that is a hard rule. I love that. And I love the idea of offering a creative option or a creative alternative, right? To just the sort of one option, like there's one Thanksgiving and that's it, right? Mm -hmm. I love the idea of thinking about it through the lens of new traditions, right? Because these are new relationships that each of us are building with each other's families. And with that comes the potential for some really engaging and exciting new traditions that you can build together. Is there a way in which you found divvying up holidays or thinking about creative options um, with you and your husband and your families? So I love the idea of taking maybe some time to think about what you want that to look like, because many times we get set in our traditions because it's what we've always done. But there could be some really exciting things that the two of you like to do together. And so Mm -hmm. it's really important to give yourself time and space to explore that and not to be sort of stuck on we have to to do these things with our families of origin, because there may be some new things you like to do. 
Like, I don't know, going around and looking at Christmas lights. Maybe that's not something that was a tradition before, but something that you can create together. So thinking about some of those fun things that maybe you'd like to incorporate with your partner and not just the things that you've always done, because sometimes you want to shift those and and maybe you just you haven't really thought about it because it's so routine to do those things. But maybe being married gives you the opportunity to step away from those things and, and wiggle in some new things. It's all about creating new memories. Mm-hmm. OK, next question. My fiance and I have really different tastes when it comes to decor at home. How can we find a middle ground that makes us both happy and comfortable in our house? Ooh, that's a good question because that's yeah. hard, right? That is an excellent question. And I think what's really helpful is choosing your space sometimes. There are certain rules that I have found that are more important than others to me. I have a sitting space in my room where I just go to read. And so it's like, I want to decorate this myself. Mm. Common areas, I think it should certainly be things that both of you want, but there are just going to be some rooms that, you know, maybe like a basement. If the basement Mm. is really for your husband, do you need to decorate it? Do you need to have your touch on every single part of the home? Which parts of the home are most important for you? Hmm. Because sometimes when we do not agree, instead of arguing about things, let's bring in a mediator. There could be someone who who has an idea about that outside of us. So I'm all about creating the peace yeah. that way. They have the problem of figuring out how to make all of this match. It's like figuring out a way to bring in somebody to help you navigate the space and also come up with uh, ways to think about compromise or creative solutions that either of you independently might not have thought about. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we all know is true, right, is that parents dream about their children's wedding days almost just as much as they do, right? And we also Mm -hmm. know that COVID has really changed plans for a lot of couples, right? How can couples, Nedra, get parents on board when their weddings, especially given COVID, might look very different than their parents expected. You know, whether that's deciding to elope when your parents thought they'd always walk you down the aisle or just having a wedding that looks different than they might have dreamed of. How do you get parents on board? Well, I love what Jenna mentioned earlier, the FaceTiming and and videoing and setting up meetings around the important steps in the wedding process, like the dress and the flowers, the cake, the food, I think people can still be included in that, even though they're not present for Mm -hmm. it, just being inclusive. And you're right, parents do have a whole idea about how they want this process to look. But just as they are disappointed with COVID, so is the couple. And so they are not the only people dealing with the disappointment of how different this experience will be. (laughs) Um, It's everybody involved. And so you can't focus so much on, oh, my gosh, this is so unfortunate for them. It's also unfortunate for you. And so because Mm -hmm. no one's pain is bigger than the other person, It's important to include them where you can and just to give yourself grace for not being able to include them in all areas because everything is so different right now. Yeah. Great. Grace and flexibility seem like such key words during this particular (laughs) period too, right? It's like allowing for all of that. And also, as you said, allowing for it to also come back to the people whose day it is, which is the couple, right? Uh, And centering that experience on them. Yes. 
So families can be stressful, but it's also <laughs> wonderful. Really, no, truly, I I feel very grateful for the both of our families uh, merging because it's been really pretty seamless. But um, the in-laws is stereotypically portrayed as this strained relationship can be seen in a negative light. Like how can couples change their mindset to approach it as a positive thing, like already going into it? Well, before you go into it, I think you have to dispel the myth that everyone has issues with their in-laws because that is not true. Sure. And Also, we must remember, just like with our own families, there are people in our families that we don't like, that we tolerate very well. Mm. (laughs) So how do you (laughs) embrace some of those things that are just a little different or things that you may have to, you know, meditate before you (laughs) before you see your in-laws or whatever those things are? But it's not necessarily anything that needs to be a dividing factor because with anyone there are going to be things that we dislike but I think the important thing to remember is that it is family and to not draw this line of this is his family this is my family but this is family and just like with our families we figure out a way to tolerate this, you know, annoying behavior from someone, we can do it with an in-law if that is the case. And also with our relationships with people, we speak up and we advocate for ourselves and we can do that with our in-laws as well. A lot of issues that people have with their in-laws are born from not setting expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, why would my in-laws ever X, Y, and Z. And it's like, because you never told them they couldn't or you never told them you had an issue with it. So it's so important to be gently vocal about some of those things that you know bother you. And again, if you have a spouse that's willing to have those tough conversations with their family, I think that is best because they have that long-standing relationship. And if you do not, it's okay to talk one-on-one with your in-law about some of those things and how you need certain things for your family and your household. Mm. And so it's really important to have some of those conversations up front because just setting that foundation, it will make for years of peace. Mm. Right. Changing the framework Mm -hmm. and setting yourself up for success. Absolutely. I I love that. Absolutely. One additional registry specific question. So What's one item you would recommend that somebody put on their registry to promote self-care? So I am a five cup a day tea drinker. Mm. (laughs) And so I really love this, this glass cup and it has this infuser kind of attached to it by Bodum. I love that cup. Like I use it every single day. I can have it at my desk. It has a stand. So that is my absolute favorite wedding registry thing. And I mean, I assume that's just because it's like, it gives you comfort, right? Like, why do you like it for self-care? And what does self-care mean to you? So tea drinking for me is like a spiritual ritual Hmm. because in the morning I wake up, I boil my tea. I have like an electric kettle. And like, while it's like steaming, Either I'm filling my water up and when I finish filling my water up, I just go stand by the kettle and I just do some deep breaths. Mm. And then my loose tea, it smells, most of them smell so, so yummy. And so just the inhaling of the scent. So for me, it's just like 
a release. <laughs> so I, I've started purchasing these teas that are just like beautiful. Like I have this tea, it's like a teal blue. I have another one that's like this very deep red. So it's a whole experience. Wow. It just makes me feel really good to have these rich teas and all of these little gadgets and, and stuff to go with it. Like it just delights my spirit. And so it connects to self-care for me because drinking tea is so important and it is a way that I nourish myself. Mm -hmm. I feel more relaxed just hearing you talk about it. Nendra. <laughs> uh, this is like tea meditation. I You should do like it a is, podcast here. It is like a tea meditation. I meant like as the water is boiling and you hear like the bubbles and just really leaning into the sound of that. It's like so peaceful. Oh, mm. I love it. I love that. I'm here's the thing. It sounds so yummy to me that I'm like, I'm gonna have a whole tea station for a month and then it, I'm gonna leave it out and it's not gonna happen anymore. But um, no, I love I love a morning ritual. That's actually part of my self-care is like I love getting up, I feed bear, I do the whole vitamin thing, I do my coffee, and like my coffee is my, you know, self-care and it's it's not as good for you as tea is, but I think rituals are so important and things that feel good to you. So and you I, see how I like practical gifts. I pick a teacup, right? You. And it's like, it's something I use every single day. So when people gift me, I'm always like, oh, a water bottle. Yes, I can use this every day. And so though that to me is like my favorite type of gift. Practically, so awesome. I'm with you. Nedra, this has been so illuminating and so helpful, both for us selfishly as we plan for our wedding and think about our relationships, but certainly for our audience and our listeners as well, too. So thank you so, so much for being with us. Yes, thank you. This was so fun. I love talking to couples in the beginning stages of marriage because this is the time when you're most open to new ideas. So thank you for having me. Thank you. This episode of Love These Days by Pop Sugar is sponsored by Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry. Plates and bowls, bath time and candles, cocktails and movie night. Make your home undeniably yours with a Crate and Barrel Registry. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Love These Days by Pop Sugar. 